How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma City Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to a March 1st Wednesday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast and it's a crossover edition Locked On Blazers, Locked On Thunder. I'm your host from Locked On Blazers, Eric Garcia Gunderson, and I am joined today by my pal Fred Katz, host of Locked On Thunder and the beat writer for the Norman Transcript. How are you doing, Fred? I'm good. What's going on? Not much, man. It's a it, it's a it's a Wednesday. Uh, Kevin Durant is is mercifully not going to be. He didn't have an ACL tear, which is good. Uh, so, but that was still big news. Uh, on on the day three one, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, on the day. <laughs> I. It's not like I've seen four hundred memes about that on Twitter today. You That's, haven't? No, I haven't. I haven't seen four hundred. I think I've only seen three like three hundred ninety eight. And I'm I'm trying to get you to 400. Actually, you know what? If I if I were clever, I'd say I've seen 301. Ooh, yeah. Also, just like how that that was just so everywhere today. We got Darren Williams's first game for the Cavs, and he's wearing number 31. That was another thing that I noticed today uh, on the day of 3-1. You know, uh, Thunder Thunder fans do the 3-1 thing too. But it's it's a little unself-aware because the Thunder blew a three-one lead to the Warriors. I was about to say, is it a little like as I say, is it a little dicey for me to mention three-one on this podcast because yeah, it yeah, it, yeah. it hit it hit me as I said it. Yeah, I, I said unself-aware. I should have said self-unaware. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a it's a little self self-unaware when you're uh, when you're doing the three-one if you're a Thunder fan. But you know, you got to do what you can to prop up. Uh, it's sports. I don't think we need to take it that seriously. I think anybody's allowed to make a three-one joke. Absolutely. I'm. I, I'm. I'm a proponent of all three-one jokes. Uh, Blazers and Thunder play tomorrow, though, and that's why we are convening here to talk about our respective teams. One quick news alert before we get into a general conversation about you know where these teams have been recently. Ed Davis, the Blazers announced just minutes before we started recording this podcast, is going to get shoulder surgery. Uh, he apparently has a labrum issue in his left shoulder, uh, and and that is going to cost him uh, the rest of the season. So they are going to be without Ed Davis, which uh, that was – I mean, it, it was kind of surprising, but he was already kind of just racking up DNPs. So uh, with that, the Blazers are not going to have Ed, Ed Davis with us this season. Now we can start the podcast. Not having Ed Davis, that's got to hurt their their depth, right? Was I should should I have been surprised that they didn't deal Ed Davis? I know they've wanted bigs and they wanted kind of defensive bigs and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but should I have been? He's not playing that much, right? 
He's not at all. I mean, I, I so think. Should I have been surprised that they didn't? He's on a really good contract. He can help somebody. Ed Davis does this everywhere. He he shows off that he can play, and then he inexplicably hits the bench. Right, and 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 I thought I I thought he was a perfect guy to get dealt to a contender. Like I thought he was the guy on this team that could be like, okay, if teams need a little rebounding, a little toughness to get ready to play off for the playoffs and kind of bolster their team, it would be Ed Davis. But maybe. They had maybe this shoulder thing was an issue then around the trade deadline and maybe teams asked about it and, uh, you know, they probably could have talked to his agent or something and, and figured out that he had this shoulder issue, which was held, which was not known to us. I mean, he dealt with some ankle issues last year, if I recall, but I never, there was never a shoulder injury update on Ed Davis or anything like that last season, which is according to the release when he heard it. So it is a blow to their depth, but it's not a blow in terms of the guys that are playing now because Portland has kind of set themselves up in like in youth movement slash stealth tank mode. Right. Because Ed, Ed hasn't been playing. He's been racking up DNPs. They're, they're playing Noah Vonley more minutes. They are playing Myers Leonard. And then obviously they made the trade for Nurkic. So he's going to get more minutes and Aminu's minutes have also gone down. Aminu's been on the bench. It's a lot of weird stuff, uh, but Davis helps them go. The surgery helps them go after this development kind of stealth tank, so to speak, by just playing all of their young bigs and only their young bigs. And I think that that's honestly what they should use the season for because like they can get the eight seed, but like they shouldn't be actively really trying to go after it either. Right. Right. No, I mean, that, that makes sense. Like, here's the thing. They, they probably overperformed last year. Like they, they, they outdid their talent level last year. Nobody coming into the year thought they were going to win 44 games and make the playoffs last season. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think there, there's been some amount of regression this year. Although I'm surprised that they're this far down defensively. Yeah, it was, I mean, Aminu being out for a while really hurt them. And then they just were also really bad. I mean, I I don't, it could have been like some subconscious level on, and I know, I, I know that it's kind of uncomfortable sometimes going to this place from like a psychological perspective, but a lot of these guys were, they were simply just, it's a fact they were hungrier last year because they didn't have guaranteed places in the league. You know, like all of these guys were in contract years pretty much. And they had a little bit more motivation because, you know, they were trying to stick a lot of these guys, you know, Mo Harkless was on like his last, you know, go around maybe, or not his last go around, but probably what he was getting his second chance. And, you know, Alan Crabb getting his first crack to really play minutes and all these guys trying to prove something. Aminu trying to justify a big contract. And I, I don't know. I think there might have been like some, there's, I think there's also just like some psychological factors there that just maybe make it, maybe make you not so hungry to go after. I'm not saying they don't care, but it's like, it's a little bit different when you're literally fighting for your place in the league. I get it. It's the, uh, it's the nobody believes in us thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's how many teams play up that nobody believes in us? Even if people actually do believe in them, how many teams play up nobody believes in us? Last year, there was an organic nobody believes in us in Portland. This year is probably the other way around. I think people probably believe in them a little bit too much. 
Yeah, I think it definitely happened. It's funny that you mentioned that because when the Blazers, after they left the playoffs last year, one of the things that Dane was worried about was like guys getting content and guys being happy with what they did. And, uh, I mean, his concern was definitely right. Uh, and I mean, he's been a problem with the defense too, obviously. And, and he and McCollum and their size is not, is not ideal, but I don't necessarily think that the pieces around them were all, were helping them be, the best version of themselves. You know, I think we kind of saw that a little bit last year where the defense wasn't, it wasn't good, but it was at least passable for how great their offense was. And a couple of things happened. The defense went into the tank and then the offense midway through the season also went into the tank. And then, so they were just kind of like, we don't have anything to go on here. And I think that was kind of a big reason they made the Plumley trade because they just saw they had a big enough sample size with Plumley in the middle to be like, okay, well, I guess this is not the best way to maximize our two guys because Portland has two stars and I think they're still trying to go down that path, but, uh, of building around them. And I, I because they have to, I mean, they invested a hundred million or fit, you know, $200 million in them or something. <laughs> so I think you have to try and do that, but is it going to work? I don't know. And I think that's what these last, you know, 20 something games are going to be kind of, uh, a laboratory for is just figuring out like which guys may have the potential to work in this construct that they have right now. Because I don't think they're quite ready to move on from CJ and Dame together just yet. So something I, I haven't really watched them since the, uh, since the Plumley Nurkic trade. Uh, g- give me, give me the down though. How, how's, what, how has Nurkic been? How have they been using him? I, I, I really like Nurkic. Uh, I like his, how light he is on his feet for how big he is. I think one of the concerns is, for me at least, is that he's just not in great shape right now because he kind of let himself go a little bit when he got benched in Denver. And I, you know, I've been told that, you know, he gained like 20 pounds or something since in the middle of the season. So he's got to get that right. But I think once he gets conditioning right, and uh, he just keeps on playing with guards like Lillard and McCollum. I think it's going to be good. He's really nice in the pick and roll. I like his versatility there because he can step out and kind of shoot that long two, but he can also pass out of that when he catches it if there's an open guy. And I, I like the versatility with him. I think – and his screens are better. I think his screens are also really good. I like I, – I mean Lillard's numbers recently have been really good, and I think – Part of that is because his ankle is feeling a little bit better, which has been bothering him. And I think Nurkic sets really good screens. I think he, he helps get guys open with them. So I, I've liked what I've seen from the Nurkic experience so far. He's really physical. He's super, super physical. That's that's kind of my favorite thing about him as a player, uh, just in general. he's He sees an opportunity for contact, and he goes right into the contact, like every single time, sometimes to a flaw. So like so, something something to watch out for, which will have very little actual impact on the game, but it'll be a fun little thing to watch out for. If uh, if Canner is ever guarding him, or even if Adams is guarding him, uh, the Thunder Bigs think you can pull a chair on him because he just uses his ass and just backs down guys uh, like very aggressively and physically. And Canner has twice this year, once in the preseason, once in the regular season, pulled a chair on him and he's fallen over and caused the travel. So. Uh, I I wonder if they're going to try to do that again. He didn't. They didn't try it again when they played Denver a second time in the regular season because I think Nurkic knew it was coming. 
but but let's let's see if they if they go for that at some point. If they go for that at some point, then they'll, it'll be my uh, my niche prediction of the game. Those those stash bros are always up to something uh, mischievous. They oh not even on the court. Like you can <laughs> like that doesn't even have to do with basketball. That's just what they're doing. They're always up to something. It's it's those mustaches. They're, uh, always, they're always up to especially Canner man. Canner is Ennis Canner is always up to something. <laughs> um, I, he, uh, he's, he's healthy, right? He, 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 he's healthy now, right? Yeah, he's healthy. I mean, he says the, the arm is bothers him every once in a while, a little bit. Uh, but he's been playing well. He played really well against Pelicans on Sunday. Um, played pretty well against Utah. Uh, he, you know, Utah's tough cause they've, they've got, <laughs> they've got at least one really good defensive big on the floor at, at all times. If, if not, Great defensive big on the floor at all times. So Utah, Utah's tough, but he played pretty well, and he was he was great, great against New Orleans on Sunday. That's the that's the Enos Cantor revenge game. Yeah, the well, Utah but, the Utah matchup. They played well in that game. They played really well in that game. They How, they had twelve threes in a row. Yeah, and then what happened at the end there? Did Westbrook kind of just take that game over? Does twelve points in the last two minutes count as taking a game over? <laughs> I think I think so. I think I think yeah. you answered that question. Yeah. Uh, he had, so he's he's had um, in his last two fourth quarters, the Thunder have trailed in each of their last two fourth quarters. They've won both of the games, and Westbrook has had a combined thirty five points in those two fourth quarters, which is like just crazy. And he's had an efficient thirty five points too. Like it's it's amazing what he's been doing late in games. Like obviously people talk about the triple doubles and stuff, but like. He's averaging, I think, 57 points per 36 minutes in clutch time. Like, it's just, it's insane what he's doing late in games. That's, that's pretty wild. Uh, his season's been spectacular. It's been super fun to watch. And I've, you know, now that he had this whole season, because I, you know, that one season that he had when Durant got hurt and they missed the playoffs, you know, I kind of thought about that. season. like, Oh, Westbrook, you know, he's using everything, blah, blah, blah. He's making guys, you know, he's his assist rate and all that stuff were super high and all that stuff, but they weren't winning. And I think maybe now we're just getting to see like the real version of that, where like he goes into the season expecting to have this role and everyone on the team falls in line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, he's, and he's playing better of late. So I, I just looked it up, by the way. And the number is uh, in thirty in 122 clutch time minutes. So it's not like a super small sample or anything like that. 122 clutch time minutes, he's averaging 57.8 points per 36 minutes. I mean, that's almost three games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's almost three entire games. Yeah, and he's <laughs> averaging 57.8 points per 36 minutes. And, you know, he's not doing it inefficiently. His true shooting percentage in those minutes is is actually better than James Harden's in clutch time. Like it's it's above league average, so it's it's not like he's like I mean he's shooting an outrageous amount. His usage rate is over sixty percent. It would NBA.com only allows you to go back to nineteen ninety six, but in the last so that's twenty seasons. But in the last twenty seasons, that's pretty comfortably the highest clutch time usage uh, over that time. But like, dude's doing it efficiently, so you know you got to be happy with that if uh, if you're the Thunder with what he's been doing. Yeah, I think he didn't get a triple double the last time these two teams played, but I think he had like forty two 
and ten assists or something like that. Something crazy. I mean, he he kicked he kicked their butt uh, and and did what he does. Uh, I, I do think that the matchup will be a little bit better, not because Westbrook's going to be any worse, but I do think Lillard, I mentioned briefly that Lillard has been playing better. His shooting percentages kind of really fell off, uh, it, kind of at the same time when Portland's offense started to struggle. And since the break, I don't know if it's health, I don't know if it's Nurkic setting better screens or what it, what it is, but he is, I mean, he's, I think he's averaging over thir- almost 32 points a game, uh, in the last three, shooting 50% from three, 50% from the field. So, uh, Lillard has kind of turned it around a little bit after having a, a slow start to the season. So I would, you know, that'll be fun to have a good, a really good point guard matchup with Lillard more back to his full self. I really like Damian Lillard. I, he seems, he, he see, he always sees, I, I've never, I've never spoken to Damian Lillard. He's always seemed like, a really like likable person to me. I've always found him to be like, he see, he seems like he'd be a great guy to cover. He is. He, he, I mean, even, you know, he, he makes time for, he makes time for most people. I mean, obviously as the years have gone on and his star has grown, you know, that time is less and less because he's getting more asks and stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed covering Dame, uh, and I have enjoyed covering Dame. He's really easy to talk to, gives thoughtful answers uh, when you need something, especially from a, from a reporter. If you want to ask him about something, like Dame will give you in one question what you needed and what it would take usually like three or four questions to get from someone. You know, he gets right to the point and kind of knows what you're looking for. So I, I, I've always appreciated that about Dame as, as, as a guy. A lot of good people on the Portland team to cover because McCollum's good. Um, you got you got a top you got a top three top five interview in uh, Evan Turner. Where is Evan Turner in the best interviews in the NBA? I mean he's he's great. He he he's he's really good. He's super super thoughtful. Uh, you know, self deprecating at times. I mean, he's, he's so funny, man. No, he's super funny. He's I, I, so I, funny. No, Tur- Turner's definitely. You know, I because this is his first year. You know, I don't have a, as much. But I mean, he's great. He, every time I've interacted with him, he's been super forthright, very honest. And like when you ask him basketball questions, you know, he, he, he goes there. You know, he knows what he, he knows what he's talking about. He'll explain things. So uh, yeah, I mean, lots of, this is a funny thing because their season to me on like a much lower scale reminds me because the fall hasn't been as, as big, but it reminds me a lot of Houston last year. But it was funny because everyone on Houston, like, kind of hated each other and this team on the Blazers as a bunch of guys that like each other and it's just the weirdest thing that like oh it's not that weird it's just a difference in the situations is that everything has gone pretty terribly for the Blazers this season but they still all like each other like it, it, it's like I feel like you don't hear that a lot when like everything goes sideways it's it's the one difference I found between that and like the Houston situation last year which you know, it went sideways and everybody hated each other. So it's like <laughs> the Blazers are in this place where it's they have underperformed, but everyone likes each other. And there's really not a whole lot of interesting stuff there from like an outside perspective to dive into about like what's going on with the Blazers. Yeah, that probably starts at the top, though, right? That starts with with Terry Stotts, who everybody seems to like, and Damian Lillard, who everybody seems to like, and McCollum, and when you the people at the top are people who everybody likes, it, there's usually a trickle down effect in that kind of stuff. Like in in Houston, Dwight and Harden just weren't getting along, and there was a trickle down effect. The rest of the roster, there was an interim coach. 
Like there was just, there were so many factors that were, that were coming into it. And then, you know, you, there's bickering in the locker room and they just, they don't have a strong, and you don't have a strong locker room with that kind of stuff. And I think when you have, when you have kind of this, this tight knit nature at the top of the locker room and especially, and even at the top of the organization too, like that kind of stuff has an effect on the rest of the team. I, I there's no doubt about that in my mind. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think it's just an interesting note on, on, on where the season is. And, 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 like I said, I know I've talked. I just talked about how they. I think they're stealth tanking a little bit by developing in quotations, uh, and 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 they and they're not really like talking about like the rotation and playing the young guys because they've been so bad. They don't really need to give any justification for changing things, but they. The way I I think the way that they're going about the development or stealth tanking, what have you is the way that they have to go about it because they've invested a lot of money in their star players so you can't completely like bench everyone sign a bunch of d-leaguers and be like we're going to tank because then you're not going to get anything out of the guys that you have on your current roster which are the guys that matter to move the needle for this franchise and so uh playing vonley more with the good guys playing him with Lillard and McCollum, playing him maybe in, 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 in more high pressure moments, uh, giving Nurkic more minutes or giving Nurkic the minutes that he's been getting. Even Myers Leonard, who has a lot, you know, he's, they invested a lot of money in him. I think they should try and play him a good amount for the rest of the season to see what you have, maybe try and up the value. And I think that that's what they're doing. I mean, they, last night, Marcus Morris, this is, tell me if this sounds like stealth tanking to you. Marcus Morris is going off against the Blazers last night, and instead of bringing Aminu into the game and having Aminu guard him, which I think would be the normal, they had Harkless guarding him the whole game. Yeah, that's a thing. That is a thing, isn't yeah. it? I'm not yeah. crazy. Yeah, maybe that could be. I mean, I, I didn't watch the game last night. I was at the Thunder game, but that that um, I mean, Just that's start. like a thing that like when teams when teams are tanking, that's like a thing that they do. Remember, remember Mark Jackson with the Warriors. Remember what he used to do. Didn't he have Mark Madsen jack up a bunch of threes? Yeah, they had. They did so much stuff like that. Like, like he had so. He used to like. I know Bob Volgaris brings this up all the time. Uh, although he doesn't tweet as much as he used to. But I but, don't think he. I don't think he wants people on the set on the scent. I don't. I don't think. You know. I think he's maybe he's gotten a little. Uh, maybe he thinks that Twitter is like too woke and now trying to like take his advice and bet on it. Yeah, he's too. He's too big. He because I'm sure he can swing swing a line a little bit too much. That more more than he wants to. Uh, yeah. But so. Uh, yeah, he talks about Mark Jackson a lot in that like there were there were times like late in games where they'd be like down four with twelve seconds left and they just wouldn't foul. Like they yeah. wouldn't they wouldn't foul with twelve seconds left in the fourth quarter, down four, down five, whatever it was. They just let the clock run out and lose. And like those sorts of things, it's like, oh, you're probably tanking. It's probably coming from a place higher than Mark Jackson. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, this is it. Just it on the surface, the the right. choices, the choices seem stealth tank ish. So, so, so you think if that's the mentality, then because that's something Terry Stotts is doing, and and I want to be clear, we're not talking about the players not trying no, to win. No, yeah, that's, and, that's and, never yeah. the case. The players no. are always trying to win. Yeah, uh, that's that's not at all. We're, we're talking about how it's coming from management and it trickles into coaching, not to the players. Uh, if, t- if you think Terry Stats is acting that way, and that's not something that I've noticed, because I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. It, but if uh, 
that that probably says something to his job security, right? Because I know there's been some chatter of not necessarily Terry Stotts should be out or will be out, but you know th- there have been some questions. You know, is Terry Stotts completely safe after this disappointing season? So you seem to think then because Terry Stotts is not going to be doing that if he thinks that he's in trouble. Right. I don't. I don't think that. And they they just signed him to a three year extension and. Dame loves Terry Stotts. Like that is not, that's at least when I checked on it last year when his contract was up and I don't think things have changed. The thing that I had heard is that, is that Lillard would never let them let Stotts go. And so I think he, I think he's, he's, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's just something that I'm seeing. I don't necessarily know again, but it just seems like that they aren't doing maybe, optimal things and and maybe it's all coincidence or something i don't know but it it seems like it's not the fullest most earnest effort to try and win it would be it would be crazy to fire terry stotts it would be so stupid i don't know like and where are you going to get a better coach terry stotts is a good coach they're not not winning because of terry stotts not winning because the roster is not that good it's not that good there's no there's not that much defensive personnel. Alfred Kaminu is not making shots this year like he did last year. He was hurt to start the year anyway. You have a you have Evan, Tur- Evan Turner on a weird contract, and and Evan Turner having the greatest Instagram captions about plus minus. That Instagram comment about plus minus was so funny. By the way, <laughs> did, did you see this? No, I didn't. Oh my god, he had about two weeks ago somebody commented something on his Instagram about how his plus minus is like terrible on the season. And he responded to the guy with the most hilarious comeback, which I don't remember the exact wording off the top of my head, but if you're listening to this, you should Google Evan Turner plus minus Instagram and find that comment because a bunch of blogs wrote it up and it was hilarious. Man. The Blazers have been good for for viral content this year. They just haven't been good for winning games. I remember. Did you see when Noah Vonley signed some dude's weed grinder at the grocery store? No, <laughs> that's a terrible idea, Noah Vonley. <laughs> that's that's also that's also so Oregon, right? Yeah, that's, it's like that's the, such an. Is there a more Oregon sentence than than Noah Vonley signed a a, a Blazers fan's grinder? <laughs> No, I don't. I don't think there's a more Oregon sentence in the English language that could possibly be formed. What's What's the, up with Noah Vonley? Do you think he's going to be good? I feel like he's been like a 14 minute a game big for for too long. I, they need to. They need to. I was I was talking about this with one of my friends earlier today and yesterday. That, and I think the Davis thing paves the way for this. Who cares about these next 20 games or whatever? Like, just play him and just figure it out whether he can do it or not. Like, cause they're in year two now and his, you know, his rookie contract is going to come up in, you know, the next couple of years. You need to figure out what it is that he has there. And if you need to figure out what that you need to move on from him and figure out another answer at power forward. I was actually. You transitioning to this brings up something that I researched today. Of all the positions, I went to 82games.com because they just re-up their data. They have new fresh data from this season. And the Blazers are losing more points at the power forward position than any position on the team. So they need to figure out what the heck they're doing there. And 
the Batum trade was for Noah Vonley. They didn't keep Gerald Henderson. They got rid of Nicholas Batum because Noah Vonley was the crown jewel. So if they need to play him, like, and, and it doesn't matter, you know, whether they're two and a half games out of the playoffs, like, and now that Ed Davis is hurt, I think this should pave the way for him to get more minutes because I think even more so than maybe Myers Leonard, I think you need to prioritize Vonley because you need to figure out whether he can be the answer there or not. Because I, I, I don't, I don't know. That's the thing with him. I don't know because I, I like he shows flashes, but I just don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. Like he's got, he's tough to get a read on. Like I feel like, I feel like if he can shoot threes consistently, he could be something. Yeah, it's weird with him because he was shooting threes at the beginning of the season. He was like, firing them up at summer league. Two years in a row, or maybe not this past summer. Maybe it was two summers ago. All summer leagues have blended together to me. To me, like Josh Selby is the permanent summer league MVP. I mean, he shot. He he was seven. He's seven for twenty this season from three. So he's shooting thirty five percent, which is not not great. But um, I mean, I guess okay from your power forward. You know, better than what they've had there, and he. Yeah, but I, I think I don't. I think what happened was is that Portland's offensive rebounding was so bad that they kind of wanted someone to crash the glass, and so he was kind of tasked with doing that and being that guy after kind of shooting threes and stuff like that. I, I mean, I think he could, but I think right now they just want him to focus on defense and rebounding and all that stuff, and maybe the three will come around. But I think he just needs to play. I just think he needs to be out on the court and, and have freedom to make mistakes and, and just get a little bit more loose out there because he, you know, he, he's, he's been that 14 minute a game guy, as you've said, and he's played with the starters, but I think they just need to give him a little bit more run at this point because they need to use this season for that because this is the position that they're in. So they kind of have to, I think they kind of have to embrace it. Right. That makes sense. Uh, anything? Uh, anything else you want to discuss? I do, I do, I, yeah, I did want to ask about your trade because yes. you guys had it because the Thunder had a trade. I wanted to know how are Gibson and Doug McDermott because I will not call him his college basketball nickname because it should go to CJ McCollum. <laughs> but how has that trade gone? How how, how have they both looked uh, in, in a Thunder uniform? You mean his college basketball nickname? Mick. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Uh, how is it? Look, I mean, look, it's – when you go through the roster of the guys who they traded and you look at Anthony Morrow, Jeffrey Laverne, Cameron Payne, those guys are what? Like no one's better than the eighth best guy on the team right now? Ninth best guy on the team right now? Like Anthony Morrow's not playing in Chicago. Uh, I think Laverne is is struggling to play there too. Cameron Payne is the reason that trade went down because they like his potential and they like what he's going to be. But that wasn't going to happen in Oklahoma City because he can't play next to Westbrook. So he wasn't going to get more than, you know, lineups with him and Westbrook in the backcourt. They just weren't working. Can't guard twos. They couldn't really figure out how to play together. And I don't think it was ever going to work stylistically. Uh, so if whether you like Payne or not, and, and, and Chicago really likes him, uh, he just, well, he, did you see that thing? Sorry to interrupt. Did you see that Iowa State connection? Which, Which Iowa State connection? Apparently, like, the guy that recruited Cameron Payne to Murray State or whatever has a connection to Iowa State and Tim Floyd, which is like so many people on the Bulls have been connected to Iowa State and Tim Floyd. 
And it was just just a note. Sorry to gotcha. distract. If you, if you really want to bring it home, Doug McDermott is grew into high school in Ames because his father was the coach at Iowa State. I, okay, see, like this is the <laughs> like this is the stuff we're talking about. But yeah, so the Cameron Payne, the bull, the Bulls really like Cameron Payne because he's associated to Ames, Iowa, in a tan, in, in in a way. There you uh, go. It's 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 all about Ames. So the the Bulls really love Cameron Payne, but the Thunder obviously they got I mean they got two guys that are you know yeah they're already, they're already right now the Thunder the Thunder got the two best players in the deal like and they got a draft pick uh they got but they got the two best players in the deal I mean Gibson Gibson hasn't been starting it wouldn't surprise me if he started on Thursday like he's he's going to be starting he will start over Sabonis at some point I don't know when. It wouldn't surprise me if it happened in the next game or on Friday night in Phoenix or Sunday in Dallas, but it's happening at some point or another. I just can't imagine it not happening. He's the superior player to Sabonis right now, and that's fine. Sabonis has gotten playing time, and I think he'll continue to be in the rotation and such, but why rent Taj Gibson to play Sabonis over him? Uh, I mean, you're, you're, it's, it's probably a rental. It's not definitely a rental, but it's, it's probably a rental, and he's – he is going to give them look. He's not going to shoot threes, and he's not going to open up the floor or anything like that. And and he'll take mid range shots, but he doesn't make a great percentage of them or anything like that. For the most part, he's he's effective as a pick and roll guy and around the basket and that kind of stuff. So he's not going to help with spacing or anything like that. But Sabonis isn't making enough threes to help with that anyway. And guys don't really guard him around there anyway. And defensively, Andre Robertson, Taj Gibson, and Stephen Adams is. One of, I mean, name it, top one of the three best, one of the five best defensive front courts in the NBA. I can't think of one right now. Maybe I think it, I think you could genuinely argue it's the best defensive front court in the NBA across all three positions. The you know maybe the Spurs when they play Dwayne Dedman. Yeah, maybe because you got Kawhi, uh, um, but it's tough. It's tough. I mean, uh, I mean, Dwayne you know, De- Dedman, Utah, Utah, yeah, yeah Utah. So Utah with Gobert and Hayward and. And favors, but I mean, they're they're not many, not many. When you look at the best defensive front courts in the entire league, if you, if you consider that for the Thunder, they're not many better than that. One last note that I kind of wanted to, I kind of, I read the the James Harden piece uh, by Lee Jenkins in Sports Illustrated, and they talked about how the Thunder or not the Thunder, the Rockets decided to kind of double down on their approach. And I feel like the Gibson trade is kind of the Thunder doing that by just getting another guy who's like, okay, we're kind of built on the fact that we have a, real, a great player, a good defense, and we can rebound the hell out of the ball. So let's just get another guy who can defend and rebound the hell out of the ball. Like I, I kind of like that they just kind of doubled down on what they already do well. Yeah, I think that's 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 a good point. And plus, plus they get McDermott out of it, who is – a really, really good shooter and, and can do a little bit more than just shoot threes offensively. Like he, he can post up a little bit in the right spots. I don't, they haven't posted him up much and I, I don't think they're going to post him up really at all because it's going to be, he's the spacer. It's going to be hard for him to get enough space within, you know, a cramped offense. That's arguably the worst three point shooting offense in the league. Uh, it's going to be hard for him to get space inside that offense enough to where he can post up. But if he's in the right offense, he's he's not a bad post-up guy. He's not a bad finisher around the rim or anything like that. Um, not the greatest passer in the world. He's not going to like you know face up a guy and take him off the dribble and dunk on him or anything like that. But like he can face up a guy and put up a three. Face up a guy, put up a jumper for sure. Um, 
like he's he's going to be good. And and man, the bench looks so much better because before the All Star break, Canner was hurt, and they were running out there a line a bench lineups with Samaje Kristen and Cameron Payne and Anthony Morrow and Joffrey Laverne and Jeremy Grant. And now all of a sudden, in that bench lineup, you got McDermott, who's a forty percent three point shooter. You got Taj Gibson playing with the bench and the starters. Uh, who is, you know, an eight-year vet and is has been, you know, one of just the most sound, sound power forwards, you know, coming off the bench in the past in his career for a long time. I thought he should have been sixth man of the year a few years ago. I think if you go back in uh, the Bleacher Report, the Bleacher Report Awards, I was one of the few people in like 2013 who voted for, uh, when I was writing for Bleacher Report, who voted for Taj Gibson for sixth man of the year. So he's... He's been, you know, one of the best bench guys in the league for a long time. And you got Canner back, who is one of the best offensive big men in the NBA. So the, the bench just looks – it's gone from strongly below average to having a lot of weapons, which is a stark change from what we were seeing the last month. Hey, that's a, yeah, a good update on the Thunder. Different Thunder team is going to be coming to Portland tomorrow in a national TV game, TNT, uh, tip against the Blazers. So, uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up for, for this episode of Locked On Blazers and Locked On Thunder. Subscribe to both of our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, Google Play, TuneIn FM, wherever you can get those. Leave us five-star reviews. And anything else you want to touch on, Fred, before we, before we wrap this up? Uh, listen, listen to Locked On Blazers. It's, uh, Eric is a wonderful human being. Thanks. And I would say the same to those of you who will listen to Locked on Thunder because Fred is equally a great guy. So until next time, which will, for us, for Locked on Blazers will be after the Thunder game. Probably the same for you, huh, Fred? Yep, that's right. Okay, all right. Until next time. <laughs>